I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back, everyone. It's the latest installment of the World Football Index Extra Podcast. I am your host, Armando Angulo, and we have a very special show for you guys today. Uh, joining me today is uh, Josh Gessman. He's been on before, cornerofthegalaxy.com, and um, he's going to talk to us a little bit about MLS, how the transfers work, designated players, the different types of contracts players can sign in MLS. We're going to talk a little bit about his forte, the, the LA Galaxy. They've made a couple of big moves. We'll talk about those, how those contracts break down as well, how they were able to do that. And then we'll look forward to the Galaxy season. Josh, how are you, my man? Thanks again for coming on. I'm doing excellent, Armando. I don't know if I shared this last time, but my 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 name in in my Spanish class whenever I was in high school was Armando. So so I'm feeling like we're kind of kindred spirits here. There we go. This is why this works so well. It's <laughs> it's a natural fit. Obviously. <laughs> so man, yeah, we'll jump right in, buddy. Um, MLS, talk to me about how transfers work. Talk to me about the different types of uh, contracts for the listeners. Educate them on what a designated player is, on what allocation money is, on what a homegrown player is, and, and what criteria certain, certain players have to meet to, to sign these types of deals. Yeah, I mean, it, it's convoluted and it's confusing, and especially coming from, you know, world football, it's it's not the same. You know, uh, world football is you can acquire basically anybody you want at any time for any amount of money, as long as you have the money to to, to, to pay it and, and, and do that. And the contract terms are sort of uh, the same all the time. You know, it could be any any number of years for however much money you want to do. And, and Major League Soccer, because of the cap salary system and also because of single entity, basically, um, you know, MLS teams are... They're both single entities as far as they're their own thing, all right? And they're also part of the larger single entity, which is Major League Soccer as well. So Major League Soccer actually controls each one of the teams, and the teams are not technically separate from each other. They're all part of Major League Soccer, which if that doesn't get confusing for you, I don't know what does. So um, it's been argued in courts many times, uh, and it, it sort of came out to the fact that uh, Major League Soccer isn't really single entity, but they're not really not single entity, and that single entity means that they're all one company. Um, and so that's where a lot of these rules stem, and, and some of it is to to stave off competition between the teams, because basically, if you think about the teams as separate uh, units, then there would be competition in between them for players, for the resources coming to Major League Soccer, but because they're all owned by the league, 
Uh, there has to be a way to sort of stifle that competition up to a certain point. So that way you're not bidding, outbidding yourself, right? So if the Seattle Sounders want a player and the LA Galaxy want a player uh, and they both bid against each other and they raise the price of that person, well, really, if you think about it, Seattle and LA are owned by Major League Soccer, technically speaking. All right. I know there's owners. Okay. Don't, it, it gets confusing, but stay with me. All right. They're both owned by the same. So they have to limit that competition because otherwise they're just jacking up the own, their own price. All right. Um, this year, 2016, is the first year for MLS free agency. And quite honestly, uh, free agency is how it is pretty much everywhere else in the world, wherever, where you, once you're out of contract, um, you're able to go and pick the team that you want to be in, Armando. But that doesn't mean that that's how it works in Major League Soccer. Free agency actually has a ton of stipulations in order for it to work. I think you have to be in the league for something like 11 years, and you know you have to have X, and you have to be over a certain age as well. And then your your contract can only increase by 20%. I mean, there's all these stipulations. So that's what Major League Soccer is about. It's about really limiting the competition between the teams for players because they're all taking up the same resources, all right? And then um, trying to fit players into a capped league. And this is, I guess, people call it a hard-capped league, but it's not really. There's still things that allow you to go over the cap or to have different mechanisms that do it, and you were talking about the different um, players. And obviously, the first contract that you sort of have to understand, anything outside the normal contract. So the normal contract means that you can pay a player any amount of money, I think starting the league minimum is around sixty or $65,000, all the way up to 453000 and some change, okay? And that four fifty three is called the max budgeted player salary, all right? And that's an important number to remember because once you go above that, different things have to happen. So you can only pay somebody $453,000 or less to be inside that, that capped allocation of uh let's see how many what was the cap this year i think it's 4.1 million or 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 3.2 million i'd have to go back and look at it to remember it completely so that's the first thing you understand now which which one do you want to find out about first armando you want to talk about designated players or do you want to talk about homegrown players they sort of go on opposite ends of things right right let's let's start with the homegrown player because uh i think uh that would give a little idea about how i guess quote unquote grassroots are here in the states and stuff and it would give people a little bit of an idea on that Right. Um, the academy system in the U- in the United States is somewhat broken, and it has been for a while. Uh, in order to start growing that quote unquote homegrown talent, those players who you can get early and you can somehow fit into your academy system, and the academy system starting to grow, especially for the LA Galaxy, U12s, I think U15 or U16s, U18s. Uh, the LA Galaxy have a USL team as well, which you would almost call it, consider an extension of the academy as well. So you have all these things that sort of build up to that so for a homegrown player what they decided to do was that if you wanted to go ahead and develop your own talent you had somebody who was in your academy i believe they have to be in your academy for a year um if you want to develop that talent you want to bring them on to the senior roster for major league soccer what that means is basically you can bring them on and their salary doesn't count against the cap uh, one of the certain best examples for the LA Galaxy is Giassi Zardes, who was barely in the LA Galaxy Academy for a year, got him in for a year, signed him to a senior contract, and that is how they've been able to so far keep uh, uh, Giassi Zardes' salary, which has been going up and up, um, off of the books. Because uh, for no matter how many times anybody argues this, I've yet to see the rule where it says that a homegrown player's salary um, ever expires or the homegrown status ever expires. And sometimes you might hear things called like Generation Adidas. 
Yeah, <laughs> right, right. I've heard of that. Yeah, so that's different too. So so Generation Adidas is is where the league signs a player. So Major League Soccer goes out and signs a player, and then basically um, teams can pick that player. Usually it's players who are in the draft, okay, the MLS draft. So they're in the draft, the Super Draft, and MLS says these like 15 guys or these 20 guys, we're, we want them in the league. We feel good about them. So we're going to go ahead and sign them to a contract already for Major League Soccer, and that means that you, whoever team that's picking them for the draft, don't have to pay their salary. All right, but that expires after a certain amount of minutes, after a certain amount of appearances. I think after two years at the max, that that eventually expires. And so then those salaries eventually go and hit the cap. A lot of Major League Soccer is figuring out what salaries hit the cap. All right, what salaries you have to count against the cap and what salaries or portions of salaries don't hit the cap. And that's where it sort of comes. So we talked about homegrown players. Homegrown players do not hit the cap. So that's that's your that's the first thing that you sort of have to understand. The other thing you have to understand is that these are 28 man rosters. Okay, 28 man rosters, 28 man rosters doesn't mean all 28 players hit the salary cap as well. I believe it's players one through 20 hit the salary cap. All right. And you get to arrange that sort of in a way that is probably more beneficial to you than not. Um, But there are some rules and restrictions of how you can do that. And don't ask me what they are, because I have no idea. (laughs) I, I mean, the fact that we can even have a discussion about this and pretend to be intelligent is a little bit of a farce, because I think that there are probably only about three or four people in the entire United States who really understand that, and probably two of them work at Major League Soccer offices, and two of them are, are probably head coaches and general managers in Major League Soccer. So, um, you know, it's a little bit of a, a guessing game, and I'm speaking in generalities only because that's a, that's a lot of what we know. Right. No, absolutely. And it seems like this forces teams to get creative and forces teams to really, I mean, if you're going to, in the Giassi's artist case, for example, if you're going to be able to find a player of that ilk and be able to keep him off the books like the Galaxy have, that's that's huge, huge, uh, you know, kudos for the Galaxy front office, definitely. Yeah, and it's all about massaging these rules. Listen, there's, um, you know, Major League Soccer hasn't been around long enough to have hard established rules. So there's all these gray area in between. So it's about figuring out how to manipulate that gray area or being really aggressive with the rules, you know, taking it to the very edge and very limit. And that's something the LA Galaxy have been very, very good at. And even to the point where people have accused them of, of you know, having the rules written for them or other things, which in some cases they have been whenever we talk about uh, the designated player rule, Armando, and our or otherwise known as the David Beckham rule. So that's 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 a whole other thing, and I think that's probably what we should talk about next is is the designated player. And this is the one that probably most people in world football who know anything about Major League Soccer have heard the term designated player. Um, it was created for David Beckham whenever the LA Galaxy wanted to sign David Beckham. They realized quickly that obviously David Beckham's salary couldn't fit underneath any salary cap at that time, 2007. I think the salary cap was probably in the $2 million range, maybe even less than that. So uh, clearly, somebody like David Beckham is going to come and, you know, basically he'd have to play for like one hundred and fifty dollars or $200,000. That would never work. That's, that's not going to happen for David Beckham. So uh, they came up with an idea. It's called the designated player rule, and each team was allowed to have one designated player. And basically, it meant that you're allowed to have one one player who you pay a fee for, and let's say that fee is $250,000. I think it may even go up as high as $350,000, but you pay sort of to, to have that spot, and then you can pay them whatever you want. 
So, and that $250,000, by the way, doesn't even count as against your cap all that much. So you don't even have to worry about that. You can basically pay them whatever you want. And so it started out with one designated player, and now it's up to three designated players. So each team is allowed to have three designated players. I think each team gets two. You're allowed to purchase a third, which is always humorous, because, of course, you're going to purchase the third if you're going to go out and sign three designated players. Um, it's open to ex- absolutely everybody in the league. It doesn't mean that every team has three designated players. Clearly, that's not the case. Uh, but a lot of the teams now utilize all three of those designated players. And a designated player is somebody who makes more than the $453,000 that we talked about for the uh, the salary cap. So technically speaking, back in the day, before we have this other thing that we'll talk about as far as uh, targeted allocation money, but before that came around, if you made $500,000, unless there was any sort of allocation money, and God, I'm trying to think how we even explain what allocation money is, kind of like monopoly money. But anyway, before we, <laughs> I don't want to get to that yet. Um, you know, before there was that, if you made over the 453 or over that max budgeted salary, that's you were a designated player. And so you were exempt from the cap up to a certain amount. Um, and this allowed players like David Beckham and eventually allowed players like Robbie Keane for the L.A. Galaxy. I mean, you talk about Clint Dempsey coming in, all the big names, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador, Giovinco, uh, you know, the Frank Lampards, everybody who's coming in on these large multi-million dollar contracts are all coming in under designated player contracts. Uh, yeah, and, and that's interesting. You name all these big names, and we and you said how it was um, the competition amongst teams to sign these players, and how MLS didn't want that so much. How is it that these designated players end up at their respective teams? Obviously, they're targeted by certain teams, and they want to go to certain locations. Like Steven Gerrard wanted to come to LA, Lampard and Pirlo wanted to go to New York. So those types of things have to be done behind the scenes. How does that work? Yeah, this is where it gets into the you're not really allowed to compete with other teams, but at the same time you are. There's things called discovery signings. So technically speaking, you could put a discovery like claim on somebody like Steven Gerrard. Um, It also has relaxed, I think, a little bit and will probably last four or five years where teams really are able to go out and get a designated player if they want one. And quite honestly, if two teams are after them, Major League Soccer behind the scenes will step in and sort of, you know, usher one again. It is, it's sort of a one for all, all for one take. Whenever you look at how major league soccer governs the rest of these teams, because remember they're all owned by the same um, sort of entity, which is major league soccer. All the owners, quote unquote owners of the franchises, because that's what they are. They're franchises. All the owners of the franchises sit on a board uh, together, just like you would see in, in, NFL or, or Major League Baseball. So all that stuff happens. Uh, so they sometimes decide how this stuff goes down. For the most part, there's not a lot of competition. I'll be honest with you. Right now, uh, there are plenty of people out there and plenty of teams and people are willing to go after those those particular uh, players. And once a team state's interest or or puts a discovery claim on which um, i'm not sure if they all go through discovery claims because that seems ridiculous that somebody would file a discovery claim on somebody like frank lampard but i will tell you that the la galaxy wanted to sign a player last year sebastian legette who they eventually did sign they wanted to sign him at the beginning of the year but the thing was that the new england revolution found out that the la galaxy were interested in sebastian legette and put a discovery claim on him what ended up happening is the LA Galaxy had to pay New England $50,000 in order to get the rights to Sebastian Legette. So so little things like this, discovery claims and how it works, they have a way of working themselves out clearly with influence from behind the league. So you can say that the LA Galaxy get favored sometimes because I think they do. I think that they're more aggressive than everybody else, so that's why they it happens. But there certainly is, because it happens behind closed doors, this idea 
that um, the LA Galaxy or certain big name teams get you know preferential treatment. So so that's something to look at. You like I said, stifling competition for sure, um, but also trying to put the best product total on the field for Major League Soccer. So it, it's this really weird juggling act. Right. And that's a very interesting concept, I think, for people outside of the U.S. and outside of MLS. I think, like you said, it's really hard to get into the specifics and to understand it. But it's nice to get at least a little broadened perspective. And you've done a great job in clarifying a lot of questions I think people would have. Another thing for for me, as far as, you know, with this type of money, targeted allocation money Okay. Yep. How does that work per se? I know that bigger markets seem to have more targeted allocation money because they seem to be able to pool all these players and sign all these European talent or foreign, you know, talent to come play in the league. So how does that work? And, and how, how does each respective team get that type of money? All right. So we have two different types of allocation money. We have regular allocation money, which we call allocation money. Uh, that's the AM, the AM. All right. And then we have the targeted allocation money, which is actually rather new in the last uh, two years. It's called and we call that the TAM. So if you ever hear anybody talking about TAM, it's targeted allocation money. OK, so regular allocation money is generally understood as monopoly money in Major League Soccer. Sometimes whenever you do really well in the CONCACAF Champions League, Major League Soccer says, you know what? Here's some allocation money for you. Allocation money can be used to pay down a player's salary. So basically to pay down a salary so that way it doesn't hit the cap as much. So if you have a player who's costing you $300,000 and you have $100,000 of allocation money, you can put that $100,000 on that allocation money and you can bring it down to $200,000. That way you have some cap, some cap room. Okay. Uh, it still means the player is getting paid $300,000, by the way. It's just a way of adjusting the cap for certain things. So that's regular allocation money. You can also use regular allocation money or you used to be able to to pay down a player's salary if it was real close to that max budgeted salary we talked about, the $453,000 and some change. Um, if it's more than that, you used to be able to use allocation money to sort of bring that down underneath that designated player or the max budgeted salary. So that way, again, less cap hit, but also you didn't have a player who was taking up a designated player spot and only making, you know, $500,000 when the max budget is four fifty three. So that was that was allocation money. Now, allocation money is general allocation money. We uh, we know it as being used. We never know how much a team has. I have no idea how much the LA Galaxy has. In allocation. <laughs> Not a clue. I'm. I don't even know if Bruce Arena knows how much allocation. I'm sure he does allocation money, but they don't talk about it at all. It's never talked about. That's what makes all of this so impossible to just understand, especially like as a common fan, as somebody just trying to enjoy the league and trying to understand the behind the scenes, it really becomes pretty impossible. It, it stifles the water cooler talk. It's like, oh, hey, you know, the LA Galaxy got this player and uh, well, how much did they get him for it? Well, I don't know. Well, it's a horrible signing. Really? How much did we pay for him? I, I don't know. And and because it's my argument, and it's always been my argument, especially whenever we talk about Ashley Cole coming up, that every player has a good price. Every player is worth a certain amount. Now, some of those players may be worth zero, right? Maybe free. That's how much I would pay to have that person on my team free. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that it's it can slide all the way down to free or you'd have to pay me money in order to have that person on my team. There's, that's there. And team. that exists, too. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So so there's there's both of those things, but there's always a thing. So if we don't know what the salary is on any particular player, then we can't really judge the deal. People make, especially in Major League Soccer, you make judgments about deals every day. You see this player going here and basically all it's judged off of is, is this a good player or a bad player? And quite honestly, there's so many players that fit in that middle of the road where, you know, they're okay and they're not horrible. 
and they'll probably be okay on this team, but how much did the team pay for them? Because if they paid over like $100,000, then it was too much money, or $150,000, it was too much money. And then also you have to understand that in Major League Soccer, we skew the salaries so much because it's not really open to the world market that much that whenever you look at how much a player is worth in Major League Soccer and how much he is worth, let's say, in Liga MX, those numbers don't line up at all. Um, they're not even close. So uh, a great example is the LA Galaxy, uh, you know, transferred out Juninho down to uh, the, the, the Jolos of, of Tijuana. And uh, the, the reported transfer fee was $1.5 million. All right, that's good. Somebody says, oh, they should have kept Juninho. All right. And you say, OK, but how much did Juninho want? All right. Is Juninho worth, you know, 300, 400, 500? And then you start going up into the $800,000 in league. He might be worth $800,000 in Major League Soccer. He's not worth more than two hundred and fifty dollars or $300,000. So it just it, it gets it twists things a little and you sort of have to have an idea of what's going on. And because Major League Soccer keeps things quiet, we don't know as much as we should sometimes. And it keeps fans from really judging the success of a signing or not. And that's that's sort of where, you know, where we're left in the dark. Now, I want to get to targeted allocation money because this is the new thing the last two years. Uh, targeted allocation money was an in, basically a cash infusement by the league. They said, hey, we want to put some more money into the league and into players and into talent, but we want to do it in a controlled way. And we want to do it to make teams who were going to buy somebody who was maybe mm, $500,000 over that max budgeted deal. So basically, if you look at 453, 500, so you're right around the 900,000, $1 million mark. We want to focus on those because we think that's what's lacking. We think that you have the designated player, the high price talent. Now, now I want to see, I want to see those players and that talent in that million dollar range. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you this targeted allocation money in order to help you buy down that salary. All right, and buy it down basically to the max budgeted salary we talked about before, four hundred fifty-three thousand. If there's anything you need to learn from any of this, it's that the max budgeted salary is right around four hundred fifty-three thousand dollars. All right, because that's where everything tips either to a regular contract or a targeted allocation player, right, a TAM or a uh, designated player, and all those things shift at that max budget salary line. So that's sort of where it is. Um, the MLS put $500,000 over five years. You could take it all at once, or you could use, use it over the five years. The LA Galaxy used all of theirs in one shot on Omar Gonzalez the first year. Uh, then late, earlier this year, MLS said, okay, we're going to give $800,000 this year and $800,000 on top of that other money we already said. So $800,000 and $800,000 for this year and next year. And that's when everybody has sort of uh, opened up. By the way, you can trade for allocation money, Armando. You can trade for targeted allocation money. In fact, the LA Galaxy received targeted allocation money for their number 12 draft pick in the first round of the MLS Super Draft from the Colorado Rapids. And so you are able to acquire more TAM um, and then use that to pay down or, or, or pay players who are over that sort of uh, that max budget salary. So I hope I haven't lost every everybody's asleep by now. No, I think I think they're not. I'm actually, you know, hanging by your every word. Um, <laughs> you're the one. You're yeah. The, all right. That's fine. As long as I got you still on the line. Yeah, you're we're good. Recording we're it. Good. So we're good. OK. You're listening to the Anfield Index podcast channel. And I just want to ask your opinion, man. Do you think this is good for the league, the, the restrictions, the financial uh, constraints, and the, the the organization to not overspend or or to regulate the spending so that um, I don't know they don't end up like the old NASL or or maybe the way China is going right now, except that maybe China has buku bucks beyond belief, so that 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 might be a little bit more sustainable than than 
you know, it was in the past here in the U.S. Do you think that the way MLS is operating is probably what's best for business and best for the game right now? I think right now and and starting this league, it has it has served itself well. I don't believe, and and we saw. I, I hate to be the the old NASL, but um, you saw what happened whenever there was unbridled spending in NASL. Um, you know, back in the what late seventies, early eighties, right around that that time, um, when you had teams like the New York Cosmos who were able to outspend everybody, and that was great. I mean, they were certainly a draw. Um, but the problem was the health of the league, and not so much the health of the team. I think the New York Cosmos themselves were were okay. Um, but the health of the league suffered because the other teams just couldn't compete. And so this is about leveling the playing field. Do I think it's perfect? It's certainly not. Uh, it's not perfect at all. And, and in fact, you are you are certainly limiting what the big market clubs can do. And I'm talking about the Seattle's because quite honestly, I consider Seattle a big market. The L.A.'s, um, you know, the New York City FC's, even with all their spending power and stuff like that, you're you're definitely limiting them. But you're also helping some of those middle America clubs that maybe don't have sort of the, the financial backing that, that you would expect. So I think it's necessary right now. Um, I am somebody who believes that eventually ProRel would be great I just don't know how you ever transition to that because, quite honestly, the owners who started this league—you talk about, you know, the Crafts and uh, and the Phil Anschutz uh, who have started and, and took around this uh, this this league and the Lamar Hunts as well. I don't want to leave him out. Um, you know, they took a gamble on this league and they put a ton of money into it. Um, as an investor, if you're that person, I don't know how you ever sort of you know gamble that on pro rel which is sort of an, a, a difficult way to transition i'm not saying that i don't think eventually you couldn't have it um but i think it's interesting i think right now what you're doing is you're you're limiting sort of the growth of major league soccer but you're doing it to control it so that way you can have it be a healthier overall league it may not be best for every club uh, but it, it so far has worked in 20 years. You know, it's worked to really build this league. And there were some touch and go moments there where, you know, some guys were owning two or three teams. This the the entity and the way that they were able to pull resources and sort of keep the league going really did help Major League Soccer. So uh, I'm not a fan of it. And I think sometimes the rules get way too convoluted discovery signings and, you know, um, targeted allocation money. And it's it just it gets crazy. And although I like it because. You know, I get lost in all the little tiny like minutia in it. And I know a lot of the MLS rules and, you know, I read the rules just to sort of figure it out. And it's it's so hard to understand. Um, you know, I enjoy it, but I certainly think it stifles the outsider's view of trying to get into Major League Soccer because there are so many rules. Um, there's there's a lot to take in. And quite honestly, I am only like 50 to 60 percent sure on most of the time of what the rules really are. I hear you, man. And I think, like you said, not many people are 100% sure on, a, on anything in MLS behind the scenes. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And, and to, I wanted to touch on China real quick. You know, I think China is so interesting. I think that you said it. I think they have the, the, the millions and millions of dollars and the buku bucks to do this. I think they can do it for a while. I think it's probably pretty sustainable as long as their economy stays the way that it has been. Now, granted, there's been some sort of hiccups in that recently. As long as they keep having money, as long as they're a world superpower, um, you know, I think they have a chance of making it work. I just worry that, you know, the the amount they're spending. I don't see Major League Soccer competing with China. I'm not worried about that. I think, quite honestly, China will is it, sort of separate on its own, and it's going to try to compete uh, against the, the bigger leagues and might have more success doing that. But I don't see it as, you know, an attack on Major League Soccer, and it's certainly not an attack on ProRel or, or anything else. It is what it is right now. We're going to sort of have to figure out exactly what that means that they're able to spend these millions and millions and billions of dollars as it's coming up 
uh, you know, to pull some of the big talents. I don't think they're pulling them from Major League Soccer up to a certain point. Um, I think they're pulling them from from other places. Yeah, no, absolutely. And there's some pretty big names going. Some Chelsea players, players from Atlético de Madrid. There's some really big names getting getting some moves, and and it's interesting to see. And and like you said, I don't think it's a threat for MLS per se, but I do I I do think it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how that league develops in the next couple of years, and if they make make or break really with all this money, it's going to really be make or break. Yeah, it is. It's it's fun. It's going to be fun to watch. Quite honestly, I'm going to be interested in watching it, so it'll be fun to see. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think this is a good breaking point, Josh, and I think we should probably let's get on to talking about the Galaxy season, and, and they've made some key acquisitions. One, the aforementioned Ashley Cole, um, right. not the most popular figure in England for any team, not the most popular fi- figure in world football per se, um, but Ashley Cole, like you said, at a, at a decent price, and that price has been revealed now, at a decent price, Ashley Cole can be a serviceable player for the Galaxy. Whether he's a, a player they need, I don't know, that's questionable. I thought Robbie Rogers is a very serviceable, good left back. I thought he he served his purpose, and he's really good. I really do enjoy him. He's probably one of my favorite players in the league. I like his fire. I like his passion. I like the way he plays the position going forward, especially, but I do think that Ashley Cole, at this price, can probably serve a purpose and I'll let you give away the details on all of that and, and further explain the Ashley Cole deal yeah I was lucky enough to have uh LA Times uh, sports reporter Kevin Baxter come on my podcast so corner of the galaxy.com you can go there and listen to the podcast also go to latimes.com uh, look for Kevin Baxter in this article because Kevin did some amazing behind the scenes reporting uh really figured out uh, uh actual details on contract lengths and and for costs and and everything else in between i mean this is stuff that as i was talking before doesn't get revealed in major league soccer and kevin was able to do this and i was lucky enough to talk to him and also uh to have many phone calls with him over the last couple of weeks to sort of understand everything that was going on um you know, Ashley Cole came in and whenever it was first announced, everybody who was an L.A. Galaxy fan freaked out because whenever you hear, oh, the L.A. Galaxy are going to sign Ashley Cole um, at, for a left back when they already have Robbie Rogers, as you said, and they're going to he's going to take all their targeted allocation money. So eight hundred thousand dollars plus the uh, the max budget salary. So four fifty three it comes out to like one point two million dollars is what his salary would be. That was sort of the assumption whenever it first got launched. And everybody's like, he hasn't played for Roma. And it's, you know, since March, uh, there's no need to have him. He basically. Basically, isn't even on their roster. Uh, he's 35 years old. Let's not mention that. Why would you want Ashley Cole for 1.2 million dollars? And it comes down to the price. Uh, the price ends up being 300 thousand dollars. So well below. Uh, the max budgeted salary, uh, well below any sort of targeted allocation money that you'd have to deal out with him, well below a lot of things. In fact, the LA Galaxy paid uh, Mika Varen and I think $227,000 last year to basically sit on the bench for most of the year. So for just a little bit more, you get Ashley Cole, who may sit on the bench for most of the year, but you, you don't know what you're going to get from here. Uh, Bruce Arena is a motivator. Bruce Arena understands what he's doing. He brought Ashley Cole in realizing that this is going to be a one-year deal, which Kevin has revealed in his article. It is a one-year deal, and he's also talked about on the podcast. Uh, So it's a one-year deal. Short-term, 35-year-old makes sense. Okay, that's fine. So $300,000 is all you're invested. And quite honestly, he got a settlement with Roma whenever they uh, terminated his contract. So the $300,000 is great. He's getting some money. He's also getting some money from Roma. He gets to play. More than likely, he is going to play. All right. Um, so he gets to play and he's going to make, you know, over a million dollars. Granted, the galaxy only have to pay him about $300,000. Uh, Roma's paying the rest. And so he's a happy camper now at a million, you know, a million dollars. He gets it. He comes to LA. He gets to be with Steven Gerrard and the LA galaxy get what Chris Klein ex- explained on the podcast. Whenever he came in and, and sat in the studio with me, he said, Hey, if we can get this guy 
and he's 75% of the player that he used to be, we'll be okay. We think 75% is worth $300,000 in the risk that we're putting on it. So in that sort of vein and how you look at it, it's hard to argue with a $300,000 for a former English international, uh, a great left back. And quite honestly, Robbie Rogers has already been playing right back in scrimmages. Uh, looks great at right back, you know, in the like 35 minutes I've seen him play. Actually, got to see him play for another 45 minutes. He's looked good. Um, and Bruce even says that Robbie Rogers, by the way, is probably more of a right-footed player than he is a left-footed player. So that was Bruce uh, saying that as well. Maybe it was Bruce making things happen, but uh, however it is. So that's not a horrible deal whenever you look at that. Okay. No, I, I can see that. And yeah, I've seen, I think, actually in the preseason games already, we've seen Robbie Rogers at right back. And I mean, if it works, it works. I'm not I, I, I'm not one to question uh, Bruce Arena, you know what I mean? But You, you end up on the losing yeah, end of that. I know, I know, I know. I, I've seen that. I do it too. I'm on the losing end a lot. But, uh, but yeah, man, no. It, it, like you said, it makes sense at, at the price mentioned there. Um, but let's move on. Another player, Nigel DeYoung. That's the most latest to get, uh, to get probably... Um, Confirmed, I guess. And, and, and uh, I think that's a player that's really going to be good. I mean, it's going to help Steven Gerrard get forward a little bit more. It's going to k- help solidify the defensive midfield. I think that Zong still has, is a player that still has quite a bit left in the tank. Yeah, 31 years old. So um, despite the fact that he's being lumped in with Ashley Cole at 35 and uh, and Steven Gerrard at 35 and Robbie Keane at 35, despite the fact that's happening, Nigel DeYoung is 31 years old. He still has time to you know, put his stamp on this LA Galaxy team, and for $500,000, that is it, for $500,000, and this will be a signing, and granted, it hasn't even been officially announced by the LA Galaxy, however, uh, if you listen to the podcast, you'll hear uh, Kevin uh, drop some information on uh, that he's already talked to Nigel, um, and that he is coming, so I think we're pretty safe in, in making that assumption, and Kevin even has his article out here, so if everything goes sideways for some reason, we'll just blame Kevin. Uh, for so five hundred thousand dollars is his salary. This again is the absolute perfect sort of Bruce Arena deal. Everybody else in Major League Soccer right now is saying, "Well, I could have brought Nigel DeYoung in for five hundred thousand dollars." There's that one MLS team right now who's not like, "Well, if I would have thought we could have got him for five hundred thousand, I would have I would have signed him." This is a targeted allocation money signing. So we talk about the four fifty three uh, max budget. This is basically making up the difference between that. So five hundred thousand to pay him down. So it's like fifty some thousand in, in targeted allocation money. Now, granted performance-based contract from what I understand. So it could go up as high as $625,000. Again, well within the LA Galaxy's ability to spend and keep him under the cap. So not a problem there. Here is the interesting part. Um, You're looking at DeJong coming in on a one-year deal as well. He's 31 years old, one-year deal. Every time in Major League Soccer, and this goes back to contracts and how it works, every option in Major League Soccer contracts, is always held by the club. There is no player option. So the player never gets to decide if they want to stay another year. It's always the club, right? It's one of the weird tweaks of Major League Soccer, and so far it hasn't been broken. So as far as we know, there's no trade clauses and that type of thing for some of the designated players. That works. That's fine. But uh, for right now, every option, so an option year and a contract, is held by the club. So Nigel DeYoung basically is going to sign a one-year contract with the LA Galaxy and then have two option years. So option year one, option year two. Um, it is understood that, uh, at least from what Kevin has told me, that uh, Nigel DeJong expects to move into the designated player spot that is being vacated by Steven Gerrard at the end of this year, or at least assumed to be vacated by Steven Gerrard at, at the end of this year. So that's sort of where this gets really interesting, because if that is the case, then, of course, DeJong comes in. He's going to get more money. Uh, excuse me, more money for the LA Galaxy and they'll move him in designated player spot and pay him that more money if he proves himself on the field. If he doesn't, 
they only have one year on him right now, and they can decline the option the next time. I have a feeling it'll probably work out pretty well for Bruce. I think he's excited about this one. But still, if you're keeping track at home, that's $300,000 for Ashley Cole and $500,000 right now for Nigel DeJong. So that's $800,000 so far the LA Galaxy have spent, which uh, they got about, we're figuring right around $1.5 million, about $2.25 million total in transfer fees for Omar Gonzalez and for uh, Juninho. So already they're they're balancing sort of that capped league. It's it's interesting to see. Yeah, no, it's very interesting to see. And, and Juninho and, and Omar Gonzalez were some big players for the Galaxy, especially in recent seasons. They've been pretty much, uh, you know, staples in, in Bruce Arena's lineup. So it's going to be interesting to see how some of these new players uh, that we're talking about right now are going to fit in and fill those voids for, for uh, Bruce Arena. Um, what are the, the, the other player I want to talk about is another defender, um, yep. Gel Van Damme. Uh, standard, yep. Lee, standard Liege, uh, former Standard Liege player, 33 years old. He could play, uh, left back, center back. Uh, what, what do you, what do you know about the guy and what do you expect from him? Do you expect him to slide right into Omar Gonzalez's spot? Yeah, I mean, you asked what I know about him. I can honestly say that I think I've seen him play maybe once or twice. Uh, everybody in the United States knows him, of course, because he was accused of making racist comments to uh, a former U.S. men's national team player uh, in a Belgian league game. So uh, this is Aguchi Onyehu, if you haven't heard the story already. So that's sort of that. That's the controversy that sort of comes with him. You had Ashley Cole, who said that he just he didn't want to retire on the beach whenever somebody asked him why he didn't go to MLS and instead went to uh, Syria and played with. Uh, with uh, Roma, right? So you had that controversy, and then you have Yel Van Dam, who says, uh, you know, has made these racist comments. Granted, this was back in 2009, um, so it's going to be interesting to see how everything sort of fits together. He's so far, he's been he's been talking the part, Armando. He's been saying how happy he is to be an LA guy. He's been on social media saying how happy it is. Uh, the LA Galaxy have announced a press conference for this upcoming Friday, where they will announce Ashley Cole and Yel Van Dam as LA Galaxy players. Nigel, Nigel De Jong, as we're recording on Tuesday night, have not yet officially been announced. But I have a feeling uh, that if anything comes down, it might come down on Wednesday, which is tomorrow. So you know, as you get this podcast out, it should be announced uh, that Nigel De Jong is there as well. But uh, Yel is interesting because everybody says he's preferred left back, but I think in Bruce Arena's case, he is going to be played as a center back, and it's a position he's played before. Uh, uh, he's a real big physical player. He is absolutely a perfect replacement for Omar Gonzalez in that term. Uh, he's experienced. He knows, you know, he knows the game. I think this is a really smart signing for the LA Galaxy and for Bruce Arena to shore up that defense. Everybody points to the defense down the stretch as the big issue last year. Uh, this is Bruce Arena putting in somebody like Ashley Cole at defense, and now you're putting in Yel Van Dam to go along with AJ De La Garza to go along with. Um, Robbie Rogers, who's probably going to play the right back. And then Leonardo is in the mix as well. So there's tons of different things that could still come up uh, with with depth and how this L.A. Galaxy team is formed. And for everybody saying, Armando, that the L.A. Galaxy are doing nothing but getting older, because that is certainly the argument. And yes, team average wise, they are definitely getting older. They're about a year older average wise than they were at the start of last year. But lots of things have sort of changed around and players do get older as it goes. Um, for all that saying, there is so much depth and youth on this team as well because the LA Galaxy signed a 21-year-old Emmanuel Boateng as well. Um, there's still youth here. There's homegrown players, which we talked about before, and there's these veterans. And this 28-man roster is deeper than I've ever seen an LA Galaxy team be. There are three players at every position, at least three players at every position. Some of them go four and five deep 
as far as the depth chart in the 28-man roster from what we can see right now. So this is this is an interesting move by Bruce Arena. He's definitely gone experience-wise, but with the signings, only spending, Yel Van Dam comes in at $500,000 as well, same as, as Nigel DeYoung, again, on a one-year contract. Probably some could be some options on that, or they'll sign him to extension later because he's still younger than some guys, and they might keep him for another year, that type of thing. I would expect him on two years, three years, but $1.3 million, basically. Um it's going to be interesting to see why the rest of Major League Soccer didn't sign any of these players, quite honestly, because every single team in Major League Soccer had the cash to be able to do what Bruce Arena did. Yeah, no, it just goes to prove uh, the, the Galaxy front office is still ahead of the curve. You know, the, the, they're doing their homework. They're doing the things they have to do. They, they went in with a plan this offseason. They, they were leaking a lot of goals towards the end of last year, and they went in. They solidified the defense. They made defensive moves. Uh, they replaced the goalkeeper. There's a lot of moves that are being made. And, and whether people want to consider getting older or getting wiser, it, it's it, it's up to opinion. And, and like you said, the most exciting player of these being signed is Emmanuel Boateng. I, I want you to be able to talk to, to the people and, and give a little bit of a of an idea of who he is former Gatorade player of the year here in the states what's UC Santa Barbara a former gaucho a, a place I know a little bit about so so he's somebody that's exciting it and then what could he add to 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 uh, on the forward line or, or out wide on the flank what do you think he adds to this galaxy team well I, I can honestly say that before this year I'd never seen him play now I've seen him play in a scrimmage uh once and then saw him in a preseason game for 45 minutes uh, in the preseason game, he was electrifying. He is a very small player. They list him as 5'6", and I think that's being generous. Um, but he has tons of speed and is predominantly left-footed. So Bruce Arena lined him up on the left midfield and then watched him run by in this preseason game. FC Chirac, which is our Armenian team who's getting ready to start, I think, they're after their winter break of their season. They're getting ready to play some games. Um, so they were looking pretty good, but he was running right by people. I mean, the speed is definitely there. It's going to be about the technical ability and what that brings. But this is another... Bruce Arena saw somebody, knew somebody in California who said, hey, this is a guy you need to keep an eye on. And he was actually over in Sweden playing where he had, I think he's played in 37 games and scored four goals um, overall in his in Sweden. So he, he did a whole bunch over there. And this is a guy who went from uh, Ghana, who was able to come over to the, I think it's called the Kate School, um, where basically here in, in California, he was there at the Kate School for a while. He left there to go to UC Santa Barbara, played for the PDL Ventura Fusion at 1.2, somehow went over to Sweden, played 37 games, got four goals, uh, and then is probably up for grabs at some point. And Bruce Arena and the rest of the guys who have networks all over, uh, Dave Sarikin, Kenny Arena, Kurt Anolfo, those guys, Jovan Karofsky, uh, Chris Klein, all these guys have so many fingers into this, into California and what it brings um, that they're able to find guys like this. It's like a Sebastian Legette, sort of a diamond in the rough. That was a Kenny Arena uh, pointing out Sebastian Legette to the coaching staff. They liked him. They brought him in. The same thing with Emmanuel Boateng. He's young at 21. He has tons of potential. Don't want to get too high on him too soon. Only seen a little bit. But, uh, you know, at 21 years old, this is a good young signing for the LA Galaxy. Uh, absolutely, man. And, and, and anything else, if, if he can be like Sebastian Legette for the Galaxy, then then he's a coup. Absolutely. I mean, Sebastian Legette, somebody that came in, proved his worth. It was really a spark plug for that midfield, especially for a while. I mean, I think we saw him tire towards the end of the season. He hasn't played that much football in a while. He didn't get that much playing time in, at West Ham and stuff like that. So it, it, we saw him wear a little bit. But I think the impact that he had initially, especially, was was very important to the Galaxy. And, and, and I think his impact this season is going to be probably even more important. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in. Right now, uh, Emmanuel Boateng is sort of fitting into that spot at left mid. That is Sebastian Legette's spot. I would still expect him to be a starter right now. Legette is until Boateng can sort of outplay him. The thing is, uh, minor injury right now, it looks like, to Sebastian Legette. Not exactly sure on what part of his body he's injured, um, but it's something minor. I've been reassured that it's minor whenever I've asked the question so, uh, to the LA Galaxy. So they're saying minor. He is training. Uh, I don't know if he's back to 100% now, but he was real close to getting back to 100% training. So as the team goes through some of these preseason games, uh, I believe they have a closed-door scrimmage against Toronto FC on Saturday. Um, As they go through and sort of do some of these preseason stuff, you're going to start to see what that starting lineup is. And with Yell Van Dam and Ashley Cole being announced on Friday, you can expect those guys to start showing up in training. So how do they fit into these starting lineups as you start to see them? Because I certainly think in the scrimmages that I saw that uh, Dave Romney, who's another young player coming from L.A. Galaxy 2, great defender, uh, played and was signed by the L.A. Galaxy, the first L.A. Galaxy 2 player ever to be signed to the senior team from that direction, L.A. Galaxy 2 up to the senior L.A. Galaxy team. Uh, Dave Romney has been playing that left back role, but you have to imagine that Ashley Cole is going to play that left back role as soon as he comes in. And then Yell Van Dam, who does he step in for? You're going to take Leonardo off the pitch or you're going to take AJ Delagarza off the pitch. I don't think it's any question that you would take Leonardo off the pitch, but people want to argue with me about it all the time. So uh, we'll continue to see how that goes. There is so much uh, squad movement and squad depth, as I said before, that seeing these players and what Bruce is going to be able to do, and he's already stated it. He said some of those 35-year-old players, the Steven Gerrards, the Robbie Keens, the Ashley Coles, uh, even some of the older players like the midfielder and Nigel DeJong, um, they got Jeff Laurentowitz is in there, Mike McGee, all these older players are not going to be able to play every minute of every game. So there's going to be a certain element of like platooning this, as they say in, uh, in baseball. Uh, you're going to have a deep bench. I think all 28 players, that includes all three goalkeepers, I think all of them get minutes this year in some sort of competition throughout the year because the LA Galaxy are in CONCACAF Champions League, which is starting very soon against Santos Laguna. Uh, the end of February is their first game. Uh, so so they have that. They have U.S. Open Cup, and they have the Major League Soccer uh, experience, the 34 games of regular Major League Soccer to play as well. There's tons of games, older legs, absolutely 20 men, 28 men on this roster are going to see time. Yeah, and I think that's what's most important with these moves, and it was smart, wise ahead of time. I think we've seen the Galaxy tire towards the end of last year as a whole, and I think uh, Bruce knows with the travel and everything involved and, and all the different things involved in MLS and, and you know altitude in certain places and, and everything, the different climates, things like that, it, it takes its toll on these on these players, and I think you know having this larger roster and this much depth is really going to be good for the Galaxy. Yeah, ask anybody who's made the L.A. to Montreal trip, which is the longest, supposedly one of the longest trips in uh, North American sports. L.A. to Montreal, it's like a six and a half or seven and a half hour plane ride. It's ridiculous. It's so it's so long. You you, you try to put that into European perspective. It's like, you know, flying from uh, from one side of Europe uh, all the way over to the other, you know, yeah. somewhere England, in England to Russia. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it's a huge travel distance. Yeah, no, for sure, man. And 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 I think that's what a lot of people uh, don't don't really consider when when seeing the product and seeing how how tough it is in MLS. You know, the pitches aren't exactly the greatest all the time, especially when you play in the U.S. Open Cup and things like that. There's a and the Concacaf Champions League. You're playing in you know Honduras. You're playing in these countries, and you're not having the best pitch. So it does get tough, man. Yeah, it it absolutely is. And all that stuff, if you talk to Robbie Keane, he'll say, yeah, you know, that really wears on you. It's tiring and it's something that you have to adapt to. And it's a matter of whether or not these older legs 
Steven Gerrard had a really tough time last year. Absolutely. Do I think that Steven Gerrard tried really, really hard last year? I do. Do I think that he was completely out of shape by the time he even got to uh, Major League Soccer? I certainly do. And I'm not sure that at 35 years old, his lungs can sort of handle that beating every single time. So that travel, all the different conditions, it certainly comes into account. But quite honestly, the LA Galaxy have been better at this than everybody else in the last you know four or five years of putting teams together that win championships and that means having to go on the road win games on the road that means the traveling doing the whole thing is really really important and it's something that they should be you know at least i feel like they have a leg up on other people just by the way that they go about the game i tend to agree josh and you know what i think it's a good time to wrap it up here you've given us a ton of information man i think it's a good time to just process this hopefully we can have you back again during the season and we could talk a little bit more about galaxy and mls um you have anything to plug josh other than the great articles uh mr baxter's article and your podcast anything else that you have going on man no, just head over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. That's the the best place where you can find all of our podcasts, all of the articles we write in-house with all volunteers for Corner of the Galaxy. They're great people. I love them all. Uh, a bunch of different writers on there, a bunch of different viewpoints. So please uh, check it out, cornerofthegalaxy.com. And please go to latimes.com. Look up Kevin Baxter. Uh, this great article, it's called Galaxy Gets Creative to Acquire Three European Players. This talks about uh, Nigel De Jong. This talks about Yale Van Dam, And it talks about Ashley Cole and the specific details in which uh, they are coming to Major League Soccer, which is something we're not used to. And then, of course, Kevin was on the podcast. So cornerofthegalaxy.com has that and hopefully maybe even a little more in-depth than his article is where you get to uh, hear questions being asked and him tell us how it went down. There you go, everyone. Get your content right there. Go check it out. Make sure you educate yourselves on on MLS and the Galaxy because uh, Corner of the Galaxy does have a ton of great content and a lot of great articles that uh, I enjoy almost every day on my way to work. So it's good. uh, It's it's great content. As for me, I I got a couple articles on the worldfootballindex.com. Some on a Chilean, some on some Mexican players, and 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 I have one on Pep Guardiola and his time in Mexico. uh, That his often forgotten time in Mexico. So if you guys have the time, go check that out. We have a, Another podcast coming out soon for uh, the World Football Index. Me and Dave have a transfer roundup for all this January transfer window, so that should be a little f- bit fun and a little bit hectic, I think, for everybody involved. But other than that, again, Josh, thanks a lot. It's been a lot of fun. Listeners, thanks a lot. This wouldn't be possible without you guys. And until next time, goodbye. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.